Amen. So the message that's on my mind this morning comes from uh, the Gospel of Mark. You have your Bibles, please go ahead and turn there. And just briefly to give you an idea of where I'm going. Um, y'all remember back when David sinned and uh, Nathan the prophet came to him and he told him this little parable and at the end of it, he gave him the upshot and he said, Thou art the man. Remember he, that man who had taken this little lamb and given it to his visitors rather than out of all his flocks he took the poor man's lamb so um, David was you know, chastised and he understood that parable was talking about him well this is not going to be in a negative sense like this but the idea is that I'm going to look at a series of miracles in Mark um, I had a conversation at the barbershop about um, miracles and why we don't see them as much today and um, and they have the idea that seeing is believing. And, and y'all know better than that. There were many who saw Jesus' miracles. They heard the best preacher ever, and they still didn't believe. You know, it has to be mixed with faith that God's given them for it to do any good. But sometimes we get kind of that idea that, well, maybe God's not working miracles today. And, and that's not true. Um, and we sing that song about Moses and the Israelites and the chorus is he's just the same today. And so I want to look at a series of miracles and the message that's really I want you to think about after each one is that thou art the man. Okay? You'll see what I mean by that as we go forward. But that's your, your teeing it up. So in Mark chapter 1 we're going to go through quite a few of these in Mark. We'll see how far we get. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. And there came a leper to him, him being Jesus, beseeching him, begging him, kneeling down to him and saying, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. This leper recognized that Jesus had the power to heal him from this terrible, terrible disease. The treatment for this disease, it wasn't one. It was you were cast out. You were repulsed, everyone hated you, you were vile, you had to stay away. It was an expulsion from the presence. That was what a leper had to do. And it was gross, it was vile. But he recognized, if thou canst if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And listen. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will. Be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forth went, sent him away, and said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But he went out, and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Jesus was moved with compassion. For this man, compassion, love, pity. For one who... 
everyone else in the world, this is not someone that you pity. It was someone you were revulsed by, repulsed by. You find it revolting, disgusting. I mean, appendages falling off, nasty. But Jesus wasn't just moved with compassion and then went on. He touched him. He touched that which was unclean, vile, disgusting, that should be cast out from his presence. He touched him and said unto him, I will, I do have the power, and I will be thou clean. And he cleansed him. Alright, so your message back from David's Thou art the man. You're the leper. Your sins are vile and disgusting. As repulsive to God's perfection as you see someone with that nasty plague sitting beside you. And yet, your Lord had compassion on you, actively loved you, and was willing to touch you and to change you and to take it away. He had the power and he would and he took it away. And you were clean. Not just, here, take some medication and hopefully in a few weeks you'll feel better or I'll smack you in the head and you fall down and then nothing really changes. Clean. He cleansed you of your sins. The sins that you should be cast out from His presence. Right? Eternal life is to be with God. That's really what it is. And to know Him. And eternal damnation is to be apart from God and His presence. He has made you clean. He has touched you. And here, He's telling this leper to to keep it quiet. Jesus was not doing these things for accolades. He was not doing it for the applause of men. He was going about and he was healing his sheep. And so he told him, here specifically, just go away. Go do what you're supposed to do. And under the law, if you were ever cleansed of leprosy, there were procedures you had to do. You had to go to the priest. He'd check you out. You'd have to offer certain things. He's saying, go do that. Go fulfill the law. But what did he do? He went out and began to publish it much. You know what that word publish means? It means to declare, to herald, to preach. It didn't make him a preacher, but he was a herald. You know what the herald was? The herald is one who's crying out news. In this case, it's very good news. My master has healed me of something that there was no cure of nothing that I could do. He healed me. My entire life and existence that was before is now radically different. And it's all because of Him. And He began to blaze abroad the matter. You get that image of like starting your little fires, right? Eventually, you got enough tinder, right? You just you get a blaze, a forest fire. That's the idea. Is This man was so excited and so passionate and so on fire for what? His Lord had done for him, he couldn't help but share it. Even though his master had given him contrary instructions. So he had somebody telling him to hush and somebody he ought to have listened to in that case. Now, y'all don't have anybody telling you to hush. 
at least not that y'all listen to. You'll have many people telling you to hush. Sometimes it'll even be yourself. But you don't listen to that. He went out and blazed and brought the matter. Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city. I don't know how big this city was. But it was enough so that everybody in the city knew what had happened to this man so that Jesus, that it was such a widely known thing that he could no longer freely navigate that city. He just stayed on the outside and everybody came out to him. Okay? Thou art the man. You have been healed and had such a radical change in your life by the person and work of one man and you've got something to say. And if you don't, and if you're not, if it's been so long that since you've been aware of this, and it's not important to you anymore, shame on you! And shame on me. He went to publish it abroad. If you go to Luke chapter 17, there's another group of lepers that were healed. Luke 17. I believe there's 10 of them. Right? He healed them. He says, Go show yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were healed. And one of them, one out of 10, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan wasn't even a Jew. And Jesus answers, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Okay? Let us not be like the nine, where we've been healed, and we go about our way. Well, that was nice, Thanks. I can go get about to my life now. I can go back into whatever I wanted to do. Mm-mm. Return and give thanks. Give the glory to God. This is not a small thing. This is a miracle that's been done in your life. You've been cleansed. Go down to the second chapter of Mark, chapter 2. Now, y'all know this about the man who had palsy. He couldn't walk. There was a crush around the house. And so his buddies are carrying him in bed. They get creative. They climb up on the roof. They remove some you know, roofing materials and they lower him down into the midst. All right? They uncovered it, lay him down. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. That wasn't what he was expecting when he got there. He had heard. I mean, he'd heard about that guy have been sharing about how his leprosy had been cleansed. And a lot of people are coming together. That wasn't what he was expecting, right? Thy sins be forgiven. But after that, then he healed his body. Sons, thy son, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And he uses that to illustrate to those people who didn't think that he could do that. And he said, well, which is easier? to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise up and walk. But just so you know that I do have the power to do the one that you can't see, here's one that you can. Rise up and walk. And, and, and palsy is a paralytic. It was someone who was paralyzed. It was someone who couldn't move. That was you. Amen. 
You couldn't move. And all this idea of what, what, what we think about being dead and trespasses and sins, these are all illustrations to try and help us understand what was our condition when God came to us. We couldn't move. And yet, He gives you new life. He gives you spiritual life. And now you are able to move. And you've learned your sins have been forgiven. That's amazing! Your sins have been forgiven. You had no spiritual movement in one sense with with your body being healed. But in another sense... He learns first that his sins are forgiven. That's us now. And then his body is healed. That's us on that last day. Right now, we've got bodies that wear out, right? You sleep wrong like I did last night. You get a crick in your neck and you can't turn. They're imperfect. They wear out. Eventually, they die. But here, you're given spiritual enlightenment about your sins being forgiven and then one day you're going to rise up and walk. Your physical bodies that you have are going to be changed whether we're alive or dead on the day. They're going to be changed and they're going to be made perfect. You're the man. You've got something to look forward to and to brag about. Your sins have been forgiven not because of anything that you've done but because of one man. The God-man, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Verse 12 says, Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. He told them to do something. He rose up and started doing it. And what was the result of those who saw him? Insomuch that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Okay, go forward to chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, down about verse 35. This is when they're crossing over Galilee. Bad storm comes up. Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. The disciples, what are they doing? A lot of these are fishermen by trade. This is not a small, you know, boat's just being rocking. They're, they, they probably have, in a carnal sense, very good reason to be distressed. But they've forgotten who it is that they're riding with and who it is that's in control, and they didn't really understand the magnitude of his control yet. And they wake him up, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care? We're going to die! How are you sleeping? That's the idea. He rose up and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. He spoke to inanimate objects, the wind and the waves, and the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. Great means mega. You know, it was a mega storm, now it's a mega calm. Now you just go on like smooth as glass. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Alright. So thou art the man in this story too, but y'all are the disciples. And when you've got storms going on in your life, 
And you think, God doesn't care. He's not paying attention to me. You've forgotten. He's in charge. They were in no greater danger after the storm had stopped than while it was still going on. The master was still in control. What does he say to him? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They didn't recognize who was in charge and who was sovereign and who to look to. They were focusing on their circumstances rather than focusing on the sovereign creator master. Okay? Go forward again to Matthew chapter 5. No, Mark chapter 5, excuse me. Mark 5, they, when they get across that sea, they get over to the land of the Gadarenes, and you meet this man who's possessed with numerous demons. The demons, they called themselves legion because there were so many of them, right? And this guy was in a terrible state. He was a man who lived in the cemetery. Uh, he dwelled among the tombs. No, no one could bind him. No one could control him. Um, even if they had chains they put upon him, he'd break them. Uh, he was night and day in the mountains and the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. And other um, uh, the gospels would say that he's, he's running around naked. I mean, he was bad shape, wild Gadarean. But when he saw Jesus from afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee thee by God that thou torment me not. Now this is the, the demon speaking here. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered and said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And then he asked him, you know, for permission to go into the swine rather than to be cast out into the abyss. And he gave him permission. He goes in the swine and 2,000 head of swine go running down the hill and are choked in the sea. And the folks who are feeding them get awful upset because they know they're going to be in trouble. And so they go and tell the masters of those swine and they come back. And they come and they see, in verse 15, Jesus and him that was possessed of the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they told him how it befell him that he was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine and began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed of the devil prayed him that he might be with him. So this formerly wild man who has been changed desired that he could be with the Lord. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Alright. So again, thou art the man. You are the wild Gadarean. You are in bondage to sin. You are a slave. You weren't your own. As far as the difference between a carnal nature and thought and spiritual nature and thought is as far apart as us and someone who's insane. That carnality, that's all you had, is like someone who's insane compared to having that rational thought. That was all you knew. That was all you could do. You didn't even realize that you were naked and running around crazy and injuring yourself and bashing apart tombs. No one could bind you. Nothing could tame you. 
That was your carnal self. That was when you were dead. You were living all the things of this world. And then Jesus came and He set you free. He set you free and He put you in your right mind. A spiritual mind where you could see for the first time. You could see, I'm naked. And He clothed you. And you desired to be with Him. And He said, not yet. Y'all, it'd be nice to just, I'm born again, I understand what Jesus did, let me just go be with Him! Forget all this stuff. This is hard. Right? That's not the way He designed it. He's given us work to do. And here He gave Him a mission. He gave Him a task. Go home to thy friends, His family, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Two different things. What has He done? And what compassion it took. He had something to say. Thou art man. You have something to say. And what did He do? He departed and began to publish it in Decapolis. You know how big Decapolis is? That's a region. Right? That is Decapolis. It refers to a ten-city region over on the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee. He didn't just go home to his immediate friends. All right, hey, you still want to talk to me after you know I've been kind of out of sorts for a while and talk to that one person who's still communicating. No, he went and talked to a whole region about what great things God had done for him, what Jesus had done for him, and what compassion he had for him. A little bit later in Mark chapter 5, down in 35... You'd be introduced to a ruler named Jairus whose daughter was sick, right? And while he's Jesus is coming, um, he gets waylaid by a crowd and has a conversation with the lady who um, had the issue with blood. And about that time, someone says, you know, the, the messenger comes, your daughter's already dead. Don't, don't, don't trouble the master any farther. It's in verse 35. But Jesus says, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow, except for Peter, James, and John. And they go into the master's house. And he puts out all the people who are, you know, doing their, their mourning, um, tells them that she's just asleep, and they laugh him to scorn. He puts them all out and takes the father and mother, um, entering in where the damsel was, and he looks at her, and he said unto her, Tabitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Now, he spoke to her specifically. She's dead, right? She's not just in a coma. She's not just sick. She was dead. And he spoke to her individually and gave her a command. Arise. And do you know what she did? She arose. And you know that to each of you, at some point in your life, it took the same amount of power to call you from your dead state to live. We're dead in trespasses and sins. Now He hath quickened you. He hath called you. He hath said, You, my child, arise. And you did. Straightway, straightway, the damsel arose and walked. She didn't just sit on the bed. Wow. I'll have to think about this a little bit. She, she arose and walked. And she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great astonishment, as they should be. It's an amazing miracle. 
And he charged them straightly that no man should know it. And again, commanded that something should be given her to eat. Isn't that interesting? The compassion that he had for this damsel and for his family, her family, he commanded, arise, and she arose, and then he turned and commanded that this little sheep be fed. Your master cares for you. He doesn't stop caring for you after he raises you from the dead. But he commands that you're to be fed. One of the last encounters the disciples will have with Jesus is over when they've gone to go fishing. They went back to what they knew. And Jesus comes by the shore and tells them, you know, children come and dine. And they eat some fish and bread that he's already got prepared for them. And then he looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. He does it three different times. He's getting the message across. This is how important it is. You need to feed my sheep. Right? They need spiritual food. They need the nourishment of the Word. They need leaders and teachers. Sheep, you need spiritual food. Right? If you go to Jeremiah, ooh, say it's 3.15. That looks wrong. Let's go see. Hopefully it's there. It is. Good. All right. Jeremiah 3.15 says, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you. Just in general, we're going to have you know, a meal out there with some sweet tea. No. We'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's part of my job. Part of your job to come and eat. And recognize that you need to eat so that you can grow thereby. Your master has performed a miracle in calling you from death to life and commands that you eat. That you've got to grow. You've got to grow in grace and knowledge. You need to desire the sincere milk of the Word. You need to be in your personal reading time and you need to be under the sound of the Gospel so that you can grow and you can be fed. It is not good for the Lord's sheep to starve. If you're walking around as a skinny sheep, there's a problem. Come to the trough. You will grow in knowledge and wisdom. Alright? Go forward a little bit more. Mark chapter 7. Let's see, about 31. They're going through the midst of the copolis again, remember? That was where the Wild Gadarene was publishing abroad. They're going back there later in time. And they bring them to him one that is deaf and had an impediment in his speech. He had a hindrance in his speech. He couldn't speak, couldn't speak clearly. And they beseeched him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Apaphrata, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened. And the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Thou art the man, 
You were at one point deaf. You couldn't hear the things of God. You couldn't understand them. As far as you knew, they didn't apply to you. The carnal mind cannot receive it. It's like foolishness. And then there was a day when He gave you ears. How many times in Scripture does it say, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Well, that's describing those who's been given ears. You ever been to Disney World and you see little kids walking around with big ears? He's like for each of his children, at some point in life, he's plopping those ears on your life and you can hear. And before then, you couldn't. You were deaf. That's a miracle. That's something to praise about. Before that, you were dumb. That doesn't mean you were unintelligent. It means you couldn't speak. You couldn't praise God. You, you may have tried to pray before then. You may have been trying to sing worship songs. But before, you couldn't praise. You couldn't praise Him from the heart. You didn't have the spiritual heart. You didn't have that soft and tender spiritual heart that only God can give you. Where He takes out that heart of stone and gives you that heart of flesh. But after that, you have the ability to praise. Wow! That's a miracle! Everyone was beyond astonished, beyond measure astonished. He hath done all things well. That's a great summary for your Savior. There's a lot of doctrine out there that teaches He's done some things well. Ooh, that's a sorry doctrine. Your Savior, our mighty God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He hath done all things well. No one else can say that. You certainly can't. I certainly can't. But that's who's healed you. That's who's given you ears and allowed you now to speak and proclaim a truth. Not with hypocrisy, not with feigned lips, but to declare the truth of the faith with pure lips. They began a great deal, the more a great deal. They published it. They declared it. Y'all, are you declaring the miracles that have been done in your life? Thou art the man. Do you think that man two or three years down the road was just kind of, well, I've got my sight and my tongue now. It's no big deal. I don't know. I hope not. That's what we've done. Go forward to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, down in verse 22, he comes to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him. And they bring a blind man unto him and besought him or asked him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the way of the town. Now notice, in each of these events, this was not a big public thing. It wasn't a, oh, look at all the attention, now pass the bucket around. Right? That's the pattern you see today when folks are taking advantage of people who are hurting them, desiring a miracle. This is not Jesus. He took him out of the way. The same way that you can't tell where the Holy Spirit is blowing or where it's going, like the illustration of the wind. You don't know when someone's about to be born again. You can't command it and you can't see it until after you see the effects upon it in that life. Well, the same way it was a very private thing when you were born again. He took this individual aside and he had spit upon his hands and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw anything, saw aught. And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. Now, that's a vast improvement. Right? He was blind, seeing nada, nothing, zilch. And now he could see something. He could see men walking and look like trees, so it was blurry. 
Right? That was like me and Megan before we got our glasses back in fourth and fifth grade. We could see a little bit. We Megan didn't know that the, the leaves on the trees had individual leaves. Right? You know how you draw them with like, a, like kind of cloud bubbles? Yeah, that's what they look like. They were blurry. But he could see. That was an improvement. He could see men. And after that, he put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And again, he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Um, all right, so, so he could see. So you're the man. You were once blind. Spiritually blind. And all these really aggregate together to describe your condition. It's all the combination of all these characteristics. This is what you were. You were blind. You couldn't see the things of God. You couldn't see His glory. You couldn't see His beauty. You couldn't see anything. You couldn't see the truth of this Word. You couldn't see the truth of Jesus Christ. But when you're born again, guess what? You don't see perfectly clear. <laughs> You've still got a lot of that scaly stuff from the world still on your eyes. You'll ever clean your windshield and you're like, oh wow, I can actually see out of this thing. And you clean the inside of it too, you're like, oh, I can actually see out of this thing. It just gets progressively better, right? Well, right now we're looking through a really dirty windshield. But it's going to get clearer, more so as we grow in knowledge here. And then on the other side, we'll be able to know, it says, know as I am known. That's a much higher level of knowledge than we have now. God knows you perfectly and intimately. He says, you're going to know that. It's over in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 at the end of that love chapter. That's great. Your vision and knowledge will get clearer. But it's a progression. There's, there's some steps in there. You may not understand and get it all now, but we need to learn. John chapter 16 talks about the Holy Spirit being our teacher. John 16 and verse 13. How be it when He... When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He speaketh not of Himself, the Holy Spirit is not promoting Himself, but whomsoever, whatsoever He will hear, that will He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. This is the Holy Spirit. You're going to be taught course of your life. You're going to be taught by the Holy Spirit. As you're going through His Word and you're learning and you're gleaning more and you're understanding more, that's not of you. The Holy Spirit's teaching you. And this is the same Holy Spirit that the whole world can't receive. John 14, 17, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be with you. That indwelling Holy Spirit. That's a miracle. That you have been blessed with the Holy Spirit to dwell within you and to be your personal teacher about God, about your Father, about your Savior. And the Holy Spirit's not bragging about himself, he's bragging upon your Savior and about God the Father. Okay? Let's just look at 1 Corinthians. Just I referenced it. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 13. It's at the end of the chapter. It's talking about charities doesn't, doesn't fail. Where there's prophecies, those are going to fail. 
Where there's tongues, they're going to fail. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. And this is the difference between everything. The best that we can do here is like childlike thought to where when we're there, it's having that completely different understanding and mindset. It'll be like the difference between a child's thought and a grown-up's thoughts. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face-to-face. That glass will be removed and you'll be able to see face-to-face. Now I know in part, my knowledge, everything I've got is just in part, partiality. But then shall I know even as also I am known. That's a higher level of knowledge. That's what we're looking forward to. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. That's the end of that chapter, but the idea there is that there is going to be more knowledge to be gleaned. We haven't gotten there. It's not you're just born again, but okay, got it. But there is something to learn, something to grow, and you won't get it all in here. Regardless of how far along that we get in this life, it's still in part. But there's still something to look forward to. And so you can see that in that illustration of this blind man where he sees trees, men as trees walking, and then later he sees clearly. That's something we're look forward to. So at some point in your life, the Lord came and interceded. You were dead. You were dead in trespasses and sin, and the Holy Spirit came. He entered into you, and He gave you eyes. He gave you eyes to see for the first time. And then you were able to see. You know what you were able to see? I'm vile. That's what you were able to see. You were able to see that I'm, I'm like that leper. My sins are gross. I'm rotting. I'm not worthy. I deserve God's justice and wrath. You're able to see that you need a Savior. Before He's come, you don't think you need anything. You think you're sufficient. You think I'm not that bad. Look at that go over there. Man, I'm doing pretty good. But with those new eyes, you can see truth. And the truth is, you need a Savior. And at some point, you're blessed to hear the Gospel. You've been blessed to hear the Gospel. You've been blessed to hear the truth. Not only do you see that you needed a Savior, you were able to learn what He's already done. And that yes, while you're vile, He's already made you clean. You didn't know you were vile. He's already made you clean. He's washed you. You've been healed. And you can freely praise the speech for for what He's done without hindrance, without caring what anyone else thinks. You shouldn't. You who are dead, you are blind, you are deaf, you are mute, you are paralyzed, you are unclean, you are vile and filthy. And in bondage to evil and sin, that's where you were. Where are you now? You're alive. 
You can see. You can hear. You can praise. You're able to serve. You're able to follow His commands. You go out. And you're cleansed now. Whiter than snow. And you're free. You're free from your bondage. So my challenge to you is, now that you've been reminded of that, how will you respond? Will you be like the nine lepers who, oh, well this is nice, and then just go about your way? Or will you stop and return and give glory to God and give thanks and praise Him? Your father commanded that you're to be fed. Will you come and dine? Will you invite other sheep to the table? As you are partaking of this food and applying it to your life, you should grow, right? We should want to grow and desire to grow in knowledge and grow in grace. And though your vision is yet imperfect, we want it to grow and grow clear. Lord, help me to see more like you see and less like me. And though you may desire to be with Christ right now, His answer has been, not yet! I've still got a work for you to do here. If the Lord wanted you to be with Him after... You be with Him. You've been commanded. Go and tell. Go tell what great things God has done for you and what compassion He has had for you. You have a message. You may not understand Genesis to Revelation. You may not get it all yet. But you have been given a clear gospel message that brags on your God and your Lord for what He has done. That's what we're to be doing. And to ignore anyone who tries to silence that. Including yourself. And use the time that He's given you until He calls you to be with Him. Knowing that one day He's going to change this body. Don't expect this body to be perfect now. Well, if I could just do such and such with this body, then I could serve God. Nope. Serve Him now with the body you've got. One day you'll get the perfect body. One that doesn't have pain or aches or sorrows. No more tears. He's going to wipe all that away. That's a one day. Here, just like Paul, you can glory in your infirmities because God has made His strength and power is made magnified by using me as a weak vessel. Right? You can glory in your infirmities now. That day, that great day, we'll be able to praise perfectly. We'll be able to worship perfectly. We'll know exactly what to do. We won't feel awkward or uncomfortable. There'll be no temptation, no evil thoughts or sinful desires or any of those things. We won't have to battle any of that one day. That's something to look forward to. There's a day when your vision will become perfectly clear. And you'll be able to see your Savior. And hug His neck. 
And look at the imprints of those nails. Don't wait until then to rejoice in Him. You've got plenty to rejoice in now. Live the life that He's called you to. He has called you to a particular life, and that's a life in His service. He bought you and paid for you. Your life is not your own. Your body is not your own. It's all His. Lock, stock, and barrel. Use it in His service. Thou art the man. Now what will you do?